Welcome back to the Conversation Pit. Today's guest is Anthony Traher, a novelist, traveler, juggler. He is a street performer, having overcome shyness through juggling and really stepping outside of his comfort zone. We dive deep into the depths of him and what it means to be playful. And now onto the podcast. Okay, so let's go back in time to um, 1996, right? So um, I was finishing chemistry degree in, um, in university and uh, lived with some guys that could juggle. And I thought these guys were like sort of magicians or something or um, just just had superpowers, you know? And one day I just picked up these three balls. I don't know if you could, guys could juggle. I couldn't juggle. I picked up these three balls. And it just started working. I could get this basic pattern, this crossing pattern with the three balls working. And it just, it literally, in that very moment, all of these limitations that I had created and, and be believed about myself, that I wasn't coordinated, I wasn't sporty, or it just fell down. So that in that very moment, um, I literally saw that uh, talent is really a tiny part of, um, of like who we become. And, um, and that if we want to do anything, we could do it. That that was essentially what I got from learning to juggle three balls, right? So that might not be an experience to everybody. Um, certainly, most people I've met are terrified of learning juggling. You know, it's like, nah, it's not for me. And but secretly, they're they're scared that they're not going to be able to do it. Right? <laughs> but um, so yeah, I'm not going to say to your listeners to learn to juggle, even though I, I think it's for some people out there, it will, it will be like a, one of those things that completely changes your life, right? Because it, it gives you such a buzz um, because you basically, you can't control what you're doing. You have to let, you have to control it and let go at the same time. So it does a very special thing with your brain. Anyway, after that, I was, I was just enamored with juggling and, um, um I learned all the tricks in the book, <laughs> so to say, right. So I learned, uh, and in about six months, I was already learning, I was already doing five balls and, um, it was just, um, it was just awesome. And it was just very clear, even though I didn't want to admit it to me then that that was much more interesting than university and chemistry <laughs> and, and I love, um. I love applied, I love uh, not applied science, it's the opposite. I love pure science. It's, um, for me, it's, um, it's a brain game. Oh, it's, um, it's, um, pure curiosity. It's not having like a second agenda. And, um, this whole idea of having a second agenda was for me, like, no, not into that. I made you choose chemistry over let's say physics because physics is super theoretical super pure so what made what yeah, made you choose so that actually um in the uk we have this um our, our school is set up from 16 to 18 you choose three subjects and then you go to university at 18 so i chose their mathematics chemistry and physics um so and when i went to university actually i choose chose chemistry plus physics but physics for me, it's, um, it was, it's, um, that thing that's just a little bit too difficult for my brush. <laughs> right. So what's interesting about this story is that I was going to a jug, a, can, can you imagine like a meetup 
of like four or five thousand jugglers what it could be. It's um it's crazy, right? And uh if you're a passionate juggler, at the start it could be a little bit um um unnerving, you know, it's like you thought you were special somehow because you learned to juggle and then you find yourself with all these people who could juggle as well, but and like way better than you. Um so for a couple of days, it took a couple of days to settle in to this uh to being there. And um and then it was just the most amazing experience. And and actually what I wanted to say is in the airplane going over, I looked out the window and I said, shit, I'm not coming back. There's no way I can come back to the UK. I was 21, so I cancelled my return ticket. And um <laughs> I was supposed to come back after two weeks, and I came back after four months. And um and it was just it was just I see it as like what what life really wanted to teach me. You know, university teaches you a lot of facts and this and the other. And uh, and that was like, for me, like really very street life, street wiseness, you know. And um, I learned to, to perform with my juggling. And I was shy. I was a shy chemistry geek, you know. <laughs> it was not comfortable for me to put myself out there like this. And, um, and I left with 50 pounds. I didn't have any bank account, bank cards or, or anything. So, um, so, but you know, I, putting myself out there so much, I really received a lot of help and, um, and it wasn't particularly, it wasn't easy, I would say, but I learned a lot about, um, yeah, about putting myself out there and, um, and asking for help and then receiving, being able to receive help. What was the biggest push for you getting over that hurdle of uh, shyness? Yeah, that's a very good question. Eh? I like it because we're, we're all shy in the same, like, like we could say that I'm shy, but not shy in every context, right? There are some situations where I feel really cool and I like goof off and I feel like I'm, I'm myself. And, um, so it was really the case of like in at the deep end for me. And I was traveling at the start with a guy. He was, he was a natural showman. You know, he was out there <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't even look at the audience in the face basically at the start with, you know, I was like, and, um, so it was just a practice thing, you know, and gaining confidence and slowly gaining, gaining more confidence in my, in my own abilities, you know, and. And believing that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, um, and, and, you know, there's with shy people, there's a lot of judgment going on, you know? So after a while, this sort of mental chatter of like confronting yourself with other people sort of goes down a little bit, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing to, to overcome shyness is to stop, um, yeah, to, 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 find things that interest you and not be so interested in other people's lives right basically basically so um and it's painful when you're shy it's painful you know you feel it it's like you want to do more but um but you you're somehow intimidated and yeah have you, have you anything else you'd like to add to that max i just think that's very inspiring to really jump out of your comfort zone of being this individual who was interested in chemistry and realizing that it wasn't for you and 
going out to be a street performer to juggle. Juggling is difficult. Like that's that's wild to me. So I commend you for that. I wanted to note something here, which is so I always thought of myself as pretty shy, pretty introverted. I love to think a lot. I love to think a lot about theoretical physics as a favorite subject of mine. So because of this, I usually have two identities. One identity is the one I keep inside my head that I don't share with anyone. And then the other one, which is the one that's personable, extroverted and quote unquote normal, so to speak, the normal one that I'm sharing. And it becomes tough over time because you ask yourself, well, do they like me because of the normal identity or do they like me because of that? Because they don't know about that deep down identity. They don't know about the deeper identity of mine. They like the idea of me and not the real me. And this has always led to different troubles when it comes to truly expressing myself. One thing that I admire from you, which I'm actually going to start implementing in my life because of you, Anthony, is to show that deep identity, that true expression of who you are, what you're actually thinking at that moment in time. Do it in a way that's also respectful of them in a manner that is showing truly who you are. So I really like that you did that. I really like that you were transitioning yourself from someone who's shy, quote unquote, to someone who's extroverted. I mean, we're having a conversation with you right now and I love talking to you. I love listening to you. My question to you is that transition of being quote unquote, a shy person to an extroverted juggler must've been difficult for your brain. As of now, you have so many experiences as being that extroverted person. Do you still see that shy person inside your brain? Are you always constantly battling that shy person or has that person evaporated completely? So if I'm in a new situation with lots of people, I will tend to listen a lot more than, um, than put myself in there. You know, I'll try and get more of a feel of what the sort of mood is, what people are talking about. And, um, especially if people are talking on top of each other, I very rarely will like put my, like insert myself in there. Um, it depends a little bit. Um, but, um, now of course, you, you know, it's like, if we want to talk about all the different characters that are in us, you know, like they're, they're parts of us that, that have served us at some point or other in our lives and they're still sort of there. They're not probably quite integrated, but we've all got a super judge inside us, <laughs> super judge that says like, uh, um, I'm not good enough or, you know, it's like, who are you? And it, but it's like that, that, like that sort of frequency, right? All this sort of like self doubt shit. And, um, I just have to sort of like step up out of that, you know, and it's not like that's not me. Um, it's just like, um, it's not really like the best part of me, you know, it's, um, somewhere along the lines, people have taught, taught me and they taught us all that we're not good enough for, for, for being who we are, you know, it's, um, and, um, but I, I, I would like just, 
I'm going to take a slight diversive now. I've got myself in the sun. At one point, like my big thing right now, it's all sorts of different things, right? But play is playfulness. And essentially what happens is that when we start, when we're little, we're still like pretty wild, right? Parents or guardians, or whatever, they say to us, grow up, grow up now. You know, you shouldn't be mucking about quite so much like that anymore. Because we disturb adults, you know, when we're little, it's too, we're too noisy, too, and uh, too much energy <laughs> for them, right? And um, so we, we pick up on this. What happens is we start to play more in our heads rather than like, ex like externalize it. So this means that as we're adults, we, we feel more comfortable playing inside our minds, you know, like playing with situation, imagining things or just running different stories in our heads. And there's a little bit of a disconnect with what we express of ourselves, you know, and we're sort of afraid of what other people think of us as well. And. But what I see is that uh, when I'm a slightly bigger than life, let's say, which is me, you know, it's like, hello, good morning. <laughs> you know, I give, try and give a lot of enthusiasm. People don't think like Anthony's like freaky. What's he on? You know, it's like uh, they respond to it and they're, ex they're excited and they, and they, and they feel this, uh, they feel this uh, tension that I'm giving them, right? So it's, uh, if, if it's genuine, you know, if it's like, uh, if I'm saying like, hey, how, how, good morning, how are you? And they start speaking and then I keep talking about myself, then they don't feel like I'm interested in them, right? So it's always like, a, it's always this expressing myself, saying how you are, enthusiasm, and then listening, listening. So say, so I want to listen to you guys now anyway, <laughs> on that note. So tell me about yourselves, your, your shyness journeys or whatever. One of my shyness journeys is actually conversing with people and getting to know their deeper identities. I usually try to stick to superficial conversations to keep life moving. And I realize there's so much emotion and value in understanding that deeper self of the person that you're speaking to. So I've learned to, as I grown up in high school, I was shy, try to keep things superficial. In college, I transitioned it to be a little bit deeper, try to enter those deeper combos. And now that I'm, I'm 24 right now, I really enjoy deep conversations. I really enjoy superficial conversations too. You know, light conversation, asking about kids, asking them about what they cooked over the weekend. I enjoy all types of conversation. I see value in every single piece of word. So. One of the things about my journey is learning, learning the identities of others. And this is, this is the reason why I'm so passionate about this podcast. This podcast, I'm not even doing this podcast to have a thousand views. I'm not even doing this podcast to have a thousand likes or get a thousand connections. I'm doing this podcast for me. I'm doing this podcast so I can truly actualize myself and learn how to speak, speak with others, smile with others, transfer our emotions. And it's really been doing a great job for me so far. I would say that for Max too. Max, Max and I are two individuals that like to better ourselves in every single way possible. And we see this podcast as an opportunity for us to bring out the best self and the people that we speak to. Going off on that, one thing I struggle with is comparison. I 
tend to compare myself to others and it's a very toxic trait, but I turn that and I use that as motivation to push myself forward. And I'm learning, slowly learning to compare myself to the person I was yesterday, which a lot of people I know do. Like with Mo said, this podcast, it's the main motive with, with this was really being a better communicator, how I express myself and really giving a platform to other individuals and overall having more confidence in myself to not really feel like I'm in a shell, putting on a facade about life being superficial, really getting deep with things. Yeah. Brilliant. I want to ask you something, Anthony, I wanted to ask you something. So for me, and I guess for Max too, as he explained it, there's always a central point inside the mind that guides things. What is your central point? What is your central value? Your core value that guides you to be who you are. I would say also this idea of wanting to better myself. There's a, definitely a curiosity there. And, uh, I would say I'm pretty in touch with like how I feel about situations as well. Like if I'm really honest with myself, I know if this is the right thing for me or not. It's like a physical feeling, a physical feeling, right? So, um, yeah, I don't always manage, man, manage it, but I try and lift other people up. I find that, uh, we live in a society that we don't really encourage people like where people feel really encouraged, you know, it's like we encourage people that are already, do, already doing really well, but if someone's tried something new, then we tend to say, what's the point in doing it if you can't be successful straight away? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so what guides, guides me, uh, somehow I would say sort of energy as well, where there's energy, where there's. Are you religious, spiritual, scientific? <laughs> a little bit, because. It's taken me a long time to get round to this, to, to, to talk really comfortably about this, but I'll share a little bit of my, when I was traveling in those four, four, first four months, I met a dude in the mountains in Portugal. They were like a small community and, uh, told me some ideas that I'd never even thought of before, you know, like about people, there are people out there that steal your energy, like almost literally, you know, where you, where you're around it, you're around their presence. And afterwards you feel like tired and drained. And I talked about all sorts of other things as well. And this sort of worked away in me because I, this sort of thing shocked me a little bit. I'd never even thought of there being people like energy suckers out there. Right. And, uh, so this got me to think a little bit more about being able to cultivate our own energy, protect our own energy, what that means. And, uh, it really set the seeds. I, I don't even know where this idea came from, right? because this was 1996 in 1998, no, I realized I needed to find a yoga master basically, but I didn't have the idea of like a gymnastics teacher, you know, even though that's would be important for me to work with the body, really work with the body, but some sort of like a master, you know, I really need to find some sort of master. And, uh, and so I've practiced yoga every day for the last 24 years and so you know, it's like in, in the West, we have this idea that, uh, you have to believe things like blindly believe things. 
and uh, like yoga and meditation perspective, you are, um, you get the experience through what you feel about situations, right? So it becomes much more tangible. It, it's like, basically the way I see it is it's, you sort of, and it's not so different from physics in the end, you know, <laughs> I could talk about that as well. It's you start or, or theater even, you know, it's like, Okay, let me give you a clear example. Otherwise, it goes right off on a tangent, right? In theatre, the, the idea of theatre in the end is to portray to the audience the invisible. So, to show them things that they can't see. And this happens with the, with the pauses and the reactions of the actors, how they look at things. And they start to get a picture and they start to see things which you can't actually see. You know, you, you can only feel emotions and things like this. So it's, so yeah, it's, it's going, it's seeing things at a finer level, no, at, uh, basically looking where things are alive or not alive, you know, it's like, like a can of food. It's not this pretty dead food in there. You know, you like have some fresh fruit. It's like a whole different thing, <laughs> right? So if you eat like, just like processed food, your vitality will go down. If you eat like vibrant foods, your vitality goes up. So you have a whole different experience of life basically. So uh, I think it's important to every day polish the, um, get rid of some tensions we've accumulated throughout the day or, or throughout the night uh, and, and, and try and start fresh every day. Otherwise it just stacks up and we find we're just reacting. We're just in reaction to other people. When it comes to travel of all the countries that you've been to, what, um, which ones are your favorite? Which ones do you resonate with culturally? Okay. That's also a great question. I think it's, we resonate with countries that are somehow um, have we in our own culture don't have. So coming from England, I found myself, I, I've lived in Italy for a long time now. And I found that what I found in Italy is very complementary to what we have in England. You know, it's much more flexible. It's not like England is very black or white. It's either like this or it's like this. There's no like, sort of like it could be somewhere in the middle, which it always is. It's always somewhere in the middle of things, right? So, um, and, uh, in England things work very well. People are generally pretty much on time. They say they do things to do in Italy. They don't, you know? <laughs> So, uh, so I personally, I really enjoy India. I really enjoy it. It's like, it's like Italy, but a bit more, um, extreme almost, you know, and, uh, but there's this belief that things will just work out fine in India, right? People have this very, very solid faith in, in, in life. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, I think it really depends when you travel, like with a backpack or something in your a few days here, a few days there. If you're meeting people and getting a sense of the area and like I was traveling mainly street performing. So you get a really good feel of what the place is like, what the people are like there, whether it's, it's for you or not. If it's not the right thing at that right moment, you go somewhere else, you know, it's uh, oftentimes big cities, they were too much for me, you know, I went on to smaller places or, and, uh, and it's, you, you know, it's, there were some places where you spend like, perhaps you spend a few days and you're really like on your own for a few days. You haven't really even talked to anybody 
And then you find some place which for some people has been sacred for years, you know, it could be like a church on top of a hill or I don't know, it could be all sorts of things. And you go there and you have like a really deep feeling. You might even not even really realize it then, but if you set an intention in those sort of places, it nearly always comes true, right? It nearly always comes true. So it's, uh, the traveling's cool. Eh? It gets you out of your, gets you out of your regular life totally because there are just so many different ways of living that it's good to experience them a little bit, you know, when we are traveling, if we take with us our home life, like lots of people do, you don't really get so much out of it. You know, you need to try and spend a bit more time with local people, get a bit more interested and yeah, Max, go for it. I think, I think traveling is a very beautiful thing that everyone should do going outside your country, really having the opportunity to open up your mind to explore new cultures. To me, what I find fascinating about you is on these trips in these countries, you were doing these impromptu things, backpacking all over. That's, that's, that's wild. You said you didn't have money. Like when I plan trips, I always think, okay, where am I going to stay Airbnb wise? And I, and I have a whole entire entire itinerary so like what is your thought process when you go to let's say a city in india what are you doing and what are you thinking when you're there when we when my wife and i went to india five oh, let me tell you something when we went to india five years ago we arrived we arrived and we and we arranged with a friend of ours to meet up and we spent some time in a, in a hotel near where he lived and, uh, all the other places, nearly always we would, uh, arrive wherever it was at the train station and then look for a place to stay. You know, it was, there, there are places in India, you can't do that, right? There are some, some places where you need to book in advance, but, uh, I think it's good to have some flexibility, you know, it's like when you have an itinerary really tight, then you don't, you probably, you, you, you have an amazing time anyway, but you don't allow some, some sort of like, um, eye-opening experience that really sort of like blows you away, <laughs> you know, but maybe you do, eh? Maybe you do. It's why, why, what I think really is like when we go traveling, it's, we might be in a beautiful place and what's going on in our minds is we're, we're thinking about something that we have to do in the future. You know, we, we have this elaboration period when we are traveling, you know, it's good to realize that we, we go traveling also to elaborate, to get a bit of distance from our lives, to understand what's going on and reevaluate a little tiny bit. So when we go traveling, it could be a good idea to go with some solid questions as well. You know, like what is it that I really want to do with my life? <laughs> like a simple one, right? Perhaps even a, even an easy one, eh? Because there are lots of people that go traveling that they're, um, they're slightly in crisis, right? They're like, I do, where should I go live? And, and I don't think that's quite the right question. Uh, the a better question is, it's like more like feeling into a place, you know, it's like having the patience to wait and know that you will meet the right people. And he, you know, just keep your antennas open a little bit more about 
who you're meeting, who is this person, what are they, what are they really trying to say to me, what sort of like, like is it traveling with, let's take it on a bit of weird tangent, why not, right? Imagine traveling is sort of like a fable in some way, right? And these people that come at you, you think it's like, now I'm with Mohammed and Max, right? But like, perhaps the, it's, it's like, if it was like a mythical story, who are these guys? <laughs> it's like, what do they really want, you know? Not in a suspicious way, right? But uh, like keeping an eye open for this and thinking like, how, what is it? What is it that, uh, how, how is it? Can I help these people or how can they help me somehow, you know, or what, it, what is going on here? I'm a big fan of manifestation, like huge fan of manifestation. That's a big, big thing in my life. I'm curious about your experiences with setting intentions and seeing them realize in the world, good ones and bad ones, because you were talking about, you had, an, you had intentions of paranoia or worry. Who is this person talking to me? <laughs> and so maybe that came true. Maybe sometime, maybe you had an experience that came true. So I want to know about you intentions and manifestation, how intentions came into your yeah, life. Yeah. Okay. I can. Without going too off the tangent, I think I can talk about that quite easily. <clears throat> Let's take a very practical example about my book, Pearls of Juggling, which is a book, basically it's about juggling, but it's not just about juggling. It was uh, a certain point after I'd been practicing yoga for, how long was it? 18 years. And I even went to a physical theater school in Switzerland for three years. And I'd been a ju passionate juggler. I wanted to integrate my work. So basically juggling, theater, and a spiritual practice yoga and tai chi like these to get and i put it together into a book right so i had no idea how on earth i was going to do this whatsoever and they found a guy who was really a big help with the editing of it i mean he was really supportive like if the work had to be back on thursday at six o'clock it would be back at thursday at six o'clock you know so at least have one person that i could really trust with the process right and uh, and then all sorts of different people came along to really bring it bring the book to manifestation you know i wanted this project to come out and it didn't really make any sense to me whatsoever this book i mean it did of course you know because it's like what i'd been working on until then but it wasn't like a, a like a commercial thing i had in my head it was something i had to do right uh, so that was uh that was one e example of this and, uh, it's just like, what I like about this whole idea is when you really put yourself out there with a clear idea, people come and, and, and they want to be part of it, you know, cause they feel that you're, that you want to do this thing, you know, and, uh, it's about meeting the right people at the right time. And, uh, yeah, on this mountain, this in Italy, when I arrived after being for a long time in this incredible place, I just thought, you know, I need to go to Rome. I don't know why. And I ended up living there for a long time in Rome, <laughs> a long time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, if we go back, I, I'm also a big fan of this idea. You know, there's this book by Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Deep Pray Love is a book called Big Magic It's all about these, I come, you know, these ideas, it's not like we don't have ideas, ideas are all around all over the place, you know, and they come to us and perhaps we're the right person to. To work with this idea and make it become something, right? 
And if we do something about it, then it sticks around and we're like, we have energy to do it. If not, it goes off and finds somebody else. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Right now, in this very moment in my life, some things moving about is like, somehow I'm, I feel a bit bored and somehow I'm also a bit stressed. You know, it's like as if I'm waiting now for a next idea to come to me somehow even though it's not like i'm not doing anything right it's like a feeling of uh, really exactly aligned to what i should be doing i really love that you mentioned eat pray love because liz in the movie she decides to one day leave her happy marriage that was just not good in some parts but overall like it seemed good on paper and she goes to italy <laughs> like you, you moved to Italy. And then she goes to India. She gets a guru. So I find that really interesting. So the next part is uh, love. So in terms of love, what would you say to that person uh, who is, they tend to be overbearing, very anxious and coming forth? Okay, so... You know, it's it, when we get like this, like overbearing and controlling, we've like lost our lightheartedness, right? And a big right. part of my work I was, is this about regaining a, like a playful attitude, a playful mindset. And, uh, you know, the other sex, they're much more attracted to us when we're playful, nonchalant. You know, it doesn't mean like playing games. It doesn't mean playing games. Like, you know, it's being clear about it. It's being friendly, being warm. And not being so uh, worried about it, you know. It's, uh, I heard something the other day, which was very interesting. It's like before you go to a date or a bar where you think there are going to be some some ladies or whatever, to start practicing, be open, you know, like saying hello to people in the street. <laughs> hello, how are you? You know, warming up into it before you get there almost. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just like go straight in there and it's too much. There's too much. You've like stacked it up too much. You have, your expectations are just too high. And, uh, and you just blow it, you know, it's, uh, and then if you want to put in this equation that we also feel that we're not enough and we don't think we're worthy, worthy of love, then it's a nightmare, right? It's a nightmare. So, uh, absolutely. Would you say when you're out on the street, just day to day, like strangers in general, do you acknowledge them or do you just mind your own business? How do you go about interacting with uh, yeah, people? Yeah, no, this is, a, this is a really good question. I don't always have the energy to smile and be happy with the people around me. I would like to think I could. I'm not always able to. I would like to, yeah, I would like to be connected with people I, that I cross. And when I'm in places where people don't even look at you, I feel a little bit unsafe somehow, you know? And then you've got other extreme, you know, like in India, people, they will stare at you, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I would say my, my goal would be to, to be able to smile at strangers somehow, you know, and they might not smile back to you, but you know, it's such a disarming thing to do. The people, they, they go, oh, how nice. There's somebody who smiles in this place, you know, and then maybe they smile to somebody else and just gets creating this amazing ripple effect, right? 
but uh, there might be some things that are a little bit easier to do than smiling to start with. Like, uh, what do you say? Hello? You know, <laughs> it might be a little bit easier than smiling. Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. There's a good phrase uh, I remember reading that smiling is the universal expression yeah. for warmth. Yeah, definitely. Hey, so I want to know more about how you met your wife. Okay. How did that happen? I'll, I'll tell you okay. a little bit about myself. I'm single. I'm not married. I'm very curious about relationships at different stages of life, like relationships when you're very young versus relationships when you get older. How do relationships change? Does love change? Okay. What's the difference between love generally and then love with a soulmate? Is it different? Do you feel different when you're with her versus with another friend that you appreciate? Tell, I want to know more about your understandings and the physical feelings of love, like the heartbeat. How does your heart beat when you're with your wife versus with other people? And tell us how you met her. Yeah, it's, I feel good. I feel good around my wife. You know, it's like, uh, I feel safe around her. I think there's generally a conflict always going on between partners, <laughs> you know, and it's like, uh, whether your relationship survives, whether you can deal with this or not, you know, it's like a lot, a lot of what has helped our relationship is a very simple practice, which is just, uh, listening to each other for 10 minutes a day, you know, without butting in, just like, how are you? How's it going? How's your day? And then just letting them decompress it all out. And because generally, I don't want to like generalize, but it's pretty much like this. As men, we want to fix things, right? If something's broken, we want to jump in and fix it. Women aren't like that. They want to get it all out there and just, that's it. They've said it all and they don't even want to think about it anymore. You know, it's for them, that's, and actually we work the same way. If we talk about our problems, they clear up, you get clarity on them and most of the time you don't even have to do anything about it. It like you, it, it sort of realigns your intentions are realigned and, and you'll find the best solution. You, know, you don't have to bang your head against the wall to find the solution. You know, sometimes it's like, Hey, uh, Mohammed, I've got this thing on, I don't know who to talk to about, you know, I just got to get it out. Would you be willing to listen to me for 10 minutes? You don't have to say anything. You know? <laughs> it's better if you don't say anything actually. Because if you interrupt somebody's process when they're like coming out and saying all this stuff, it's really painful. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know. I, I was saying something you probably don't even realize exists right now, but, uh, but uh, so anyway, go, going back to my wife at the beginning of our relationship, she would always, I would always go around and visit her and she would say, Anthony, how are you? How was your date? And nobody asked me this, right? So I would talk and talk and talk and talk so bad i didn't even realize i need to ask her how her day was you know but uh afterwards i realized this and turned it around but uh it's you know in the first the first three or four months that we were together it was uh we didn't even need to talk it just felt good to be together you know it was uh it was a very particular particular time and then uh, it's changed a little bit so this going on to your, like, how do things change when they get, when they move forward? We both work from home. So we're around each other all the time, which can be a bit much sometimes. It's like when we have time, when one is away, it works a little bit better as well. And also, you know, I think it helps when you have very clear 
work times. I didn't have very clear work times. You know, I could be, I could carry on doing things until the evening, you know, but in a relationship, you need, you need to cut off at a certain time. You know, my wife said it's like a flower. She's like a flower. If I don't fall down, then she walks. So, yeah. You know, you, uh, you tell me about your, ex Max, how, how are you around women? Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, when it comes to women for me, yeah, I, it's, it's like pendulum, I would say like it, it sways back and forth and I could never get in the middle. I attribute a lot of my confidence and accomplishments to my self-esteem. And when that's like really, really high, I feel like Elon Musk, like, I feel like I can conquer the world and I can do anything and be anything I want, seeing nothing in my path. And that's the same thing for women. And I'm just so focused on my businesses and what I'm doing that I'm not paying attention to women. And when that thing is happening, when I'm in that mindset, all these women are reaching out to me and I'm not paying them attention. And the funny thing is when I do actually have time and I want to invest in a relationship. The flip side is I tend to um, put a little bit of effort in and invest a little bit as much like I would in a business. And it's a hard balance. I can either put too much in, in a relationship or just put like minimum to none. So staying in that middle is a challenge for me. So. When the businesses are not doing so good, self-esteem is not the best. I don't feel worthy when businesses are up, you know, I'm up. Finding that balance and being okay with who I am, then I feel I can be comfortable. And that's what I'm working on currently, just being comfortable with myself. Okay, thank you, Max. Max, Max, what are some solutions or frameworks towards this pendulum. So you have a pendulum right now. Sometimes you mm -hmm. do too much, sometimes you do too little. What are some mental models or guiding principles for you to keep it in the middle and keep it balanced over time? What can you do? I know it sounds cliche, but literally balance. Uh, taking all your facets of your life. So there's five pillars of life. There's the physicality, the financial, the spiritual, and did I say mental, the mental. Actually there's six, there's that. And then there's relationships. So spending all your energy, not just on one, like I, I, I've spent a long time maxing out financial and physical. Just making myself look good in what I've been count go up. But right now I'm focusing more on my mental health and my emotional side. And in turn, that will make me feel greater to be a better human being. So going back to that question, how do I get that pendulum to stay in the balance? It's really, really climbing up all of those mountains. And that's what Tony Robbins talks about in his uh, book the how to master your mind which is a big proponent 
for my belief system. Master your, so how to master your mind, explain those six pillars. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm going to look that up for me. Oh boy. <laughs> hey, I'm not even sure. But this is a very good topic. Good reflection. I love to help people. I really do. When I help people, I feel good inside my brain. I was raised in a family of physicians. So that mindset of treating and helping others is always there in relationships, in interacting at the hospital, interacting with customers, interacting with Anthony, interacting with Max. I'm always thinking about how do I treat? How do I heal? How do I raise? All right. This is a great thing. I'm very proud of myself and proud of my parents for them raising me this way. It allows me to approach people with a kind heart. Now, what I have been doing is sometimes I approach people with too kind of a heart and miss out on the brain needed to raise that. I think a lot of times when we talk about love, we talk about infinite pure love infinite pure forgiveness, infinite pure love, missing the component that there's also a parental love that needs to be on top of it. There is love from the heart and then love from the brain. Love from the heart is like giving a child candy every single time the child wants candy. Here, take the candy. Well, love from the brain says, no, no, no. You had your candy today. It's now time to eat your vegetables. And the baby's going to cry. The baby says, why? I want candy. You hate, I hate you. You have to be with your brain. Teach them why vegetables is good with them. Good for them. Why vegetables will help them later in life. Expand their brain. Expand how their brain is being developed. I've learned to love people very, very deeply on a very, very deep level and then place boundaries with my brain to make sure that they can reach their higher self. All right. So does that make sense? Love from the heart and love from the brain. You got to love from both organs. When you love from the heart, it feels really good and you get close together. But when you love from the brain, you walk together forward. So love from the heart to bring them close to you and then love from the brain to walk towards something great. Love from the penis. <laughs> yes. No, I understand what you're saying. I think you're, uh, that's really funny. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I know the sexual and, you know, get it excited. At the end of the day, even when you have a relationship that's strictly built off of pleasure and sex, it gets boring. There's no purpose behind it sometimes. Absolutely. When you have a relationship that is first oriented towards a higher purpose, and then you have crazy wild sex, then it's fine. You know, it's happy. There's purpose there. You know, I think it's really degrading sometimes to have a relationship that's pure lust right. and no higher purpose associated with it. So. Right. Hmm. 
what I want to say here is that even when I'm sleeping with someone or we're having fun, I always think about sort of the next steps for myself. Sometimes I'm, I, I dissociate from the moment and think about, well, I'm having fun right now. There are some people in Africa with no water. There are crimes happening in the world with no solutions. So I take this opportunity of pleasure that I'm experiencing and use it as a way to relax my body and relax my day. I do need to remember that when I wake up tomorrow morning, that there are people that need our help. There are people out there that deserve to feel that pleasure I just but I just felt, you know? No, that you just described is post-na clarity. <laughs> Have you heard of semen function? I actually, I actually don't ejaculate. I'm not, I'm not a big ejaculation guy. I don't ejaculate. I, I have sex and then I just keep going. I don't like, I don't, I can, I, she orgasms as many times as I decide. I don't orgasm. I don't orgasm at all. I don't ejaculate. I have this body orgasm, sphere orgasm. And I like that a lot better. I do want to note something though, aside from this. So there are people in the world that deserve to have fun, deserve happiness, deserve food, deserve water, deserve resources. I'm grateful for the position I'm in right now. I need to, I re always remember that they deserve to be in that position as well. Number one. Number two, this is an important point. And I actually want to get Anthony's input on this. There are so many different frameworks of principles and thinking out there. Six pillars, chakras, the circle of life, Kabbalah, Kabbalah. Sure. There's many different frameworks of thinking out there. All right. Mm -hmm. So picking one is rather difficult because there's similarities, there's differences. Which one is the right one? Which one's the wrong one? Is this the best for me or is the best for someone else? Do I love from the heart or is it, do I love from the heart or do I love from the brain? Is it the brain or is it the mind? There's so many words out there, right? There's so many words out there to choose from. The way I approach it is this. Since I come from a scientific background, I come from a medical background, I always bring it back to observations and things that can be made in the scientific field. Now from the heart, raise them and then guide them with your brain, love with the brain. Okay. Give them candy when they're happy and then give them vegetables to guide them to be healthy for the long term. This is tough. This is very tough. What is the perfect belief system? Is there a perfect universal belief system? I think the perfect belief system is the one that is self-enclosed, meaning a belief of beliefs. When you want to create universal arguments or universal truths, the universal truth needs to reference itself, meaning it has to explain itself. When you create a theory that's circular, then that theory underlines all theories. 
Right. So the way I approach it is when explaining beliefs, religion, God, thought, mind, heart, is to say that the highest self could only be reached through you. That ultimately there are many different principles out there and you need to relate those principles to your own subjective objective mapping. When you take a principle, then map it inside your brain, then map it outside into your reality, you define that principle. But you choose whether that principle works or it doesn't work for you. So we sort of tangent a bit horizontally to what we were speaking about. What I will say ultimately though is going back to the topic of love, love from the heart to bring them close to you, then love for the brain to walk forward together. A good reference model, which Mo is describing is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And at the top, it's self-actualization, which just goes over realizing your full potential. I would definitely give a read on that for our listeners who are interested in that. Anthony, I want to ask you, what, what would you say comes next in your journey after like this book, um, goes live and what's in store for you? And also give us a little bit about the book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Okay. This is very interesting, actually. I'm right digging right into it now because in the, what I really enjoy doing is holding retreats, you know, like week-long retreats, even like a month-long retreat, you know, like uh, just building surprises for people. Really. Like in a month, you could every day you could be a different argument that you work on and you're building on things, always with a light-hearted approach, always with a deep, profound approach. Ultimately, they become... A completely spherical human being. I organized this playfulness festival in Italy, Giofosamente. It's four day, it's a four day festival. It's a four day festival in nature. So it's far from everywhere. And what, one of the biggest things that, uh, that came out of this was really how playing together brought out a really a deep kindness, a deep trust and, uh, people smiling and laughing and it just, uh, just really felt really huge. So I'm a big fan of play as a way to get back to our humanity, but playfulness, I should say, because play means so many things that to, to people like playfulness is like this, uh, it's just this mindset, just this mindset where you could play with anything in the ultimately, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting concept. Hey, play. <laughs> I think a lot of people can learn from you, Anthony, in terms of being playful. I like that a lot. That's a, it's a great way to put it. Just having fun. People would always use having fun, but I like the word playful. That, that just, that sounds like being your inner child. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yourself. And if we want to talk about Tony Robbins yeah. again, he talks about being playful all the time. He, he, uh, mm -hmm. it's really, uh, incredible he holds it very high value playfulness he doesn't really say how to become playful but he just says be goofy be cheerful he uses this word be cheerful how to develop cheerfulness you know which isn't the same as the happy cheerfulness you know cheerfulness is uh it's a bit more 
towards other people, mm. rather happy to be your own, yourself, right? Cheerful is, is, uh, is out there. And, uh, so, so yeah, no, I'm right now is, this sounds funny. Eh? I'm 47, right. And I'm only just about now putting like my business together. I've not even really cared about business the rest of my life. I've just wanted to learn and uh, grow and share. And uh, I've got to a point where I really have got a lot to share with people. So I uh, put together the plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Anthony, I, w- I want to uh, wrap things up here and I want to end it on a thought provoking uh, moment for our listeners. What would you, what meaningful advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Cause it's almost like giving myself advice now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's difficult to give, give advice. Would, would my 20, 20 year old listen to me? It would be like, like, trust the process, trust the process. Um, I think, um, I think I would have, have um, yeah, dream a little bit bigger, dream a little bit bigger, work out a plan for your dreams, but understand why your dreams are important. Absolutely. Yeah. What about those individuals that are listening who are in their shell, shy? What would you say to those people trying to get them to like crack open that, that shell? Yeah. First of all, you don't have to crack open that shell. You just need to put a tiny little slither in there. And that tiny little, that tiny little slither in there is enough for light to come out and for light to come in. So every day do something tiny little thing that, um, you find a little bit difficult, you know, and, um, get rid of the idea that life is supposed to be easy because it's not the, the, the earlier we, we realize that it's actually difficult, the, the earlier we can, um, <laughs> start working with this though. It's not easy and it's not even supposed to be easy, but it is easy when we're on ball, you know, when we're not procrastinating where we're not pretending things don't exist when we're actually doing things. So yeah, understand what your outcome is, you know, is your outcome like, just imagine like if you don't work, if you don't deal with your shyness, what will happen in 10 years, in 20 years, you won't change. You know, if you don't do something about it, you won't change. Perhaps you will become a little bit less. It will do, but you won't really, you don't. I think it's a good, it's good to pick some sort of role model, see how they live, how they, how, how you know, get into, get into feeling how they are uh, and start dropping things and, and don't think there's anything wrong with you because you're shy. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to take Absolutely. things easy. You know, it's like you've probably been scared somewhere along the line, you know, and, and forgive, forgive people, forgive yourself. Write down all the things you're grateful for, sing, you know, <laughs> celebrate. Absolutely. I wanted to circle back with what Mo said earlier about his uh, comment with Albert Einstein. Uh, a good quote that Einstein said is that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So to our listeners that are listening. Stop expecting the same results with doing the same thing. Actually change your day-to-day, 
and change your system. Mo, would you like to add anything to that comment? Stay at it. Uh, change your day-to-day, -day, be flexible to new opportunities and stay patient. You have nowhere to go. You know, all meaning and truth is inside your brain. So. Absolutely. I would say that. Great. Right. Thank you so much for everybody listening today. And thank you to Anthony. We had a great time speaking with you. And it was very fun. I learned a lot about you. I learned a lot about myself. And I really enjoyed yeah, this conversation. Yeah, we appreciate your time, Anthony.